All right, well, thank you, Home Builders, for allowing us to speak here today. We pray that um, some of the wisdom that we've encountered over the course of our marriage will um, help somebody here today, as well as uh, the lessons we've learned in managing our blended family. So I'm just going to start us off with a little prayer here. Thank you, Lord, for letting us be here today. Thank you for the wonderful word that Pastor Larry shared today. It was spot on. And you just can't thank uh, you enough, Lord, for giving us the ability to worship in such a wonderful church with such wonderful pastors. And we give you praise for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All righty. So uh, life management resolutions. Delia and I have broken this down into three sections today. So we're going to start with our commitment to serving God our commitment to our marriage or managing us, and our commitment to our family. And as most of you know, we're a blended family. And managing our blended family can sometimes be messy. So I'm going to read Psalms 37.7. Surrender yourself to the Lord and wait patiently for him. So we found Rick Warren online, and he speaks what he speaks, spoke directly to us so following God's lead without knowing where he's sending you waiting for God's timing without knowing when it will come and expecting a miracle without knowing how God will provide trusting God's purpose without understanding the circumstances and the next verse we wanted to share is one all of us have probably heard many times but it really spoke to me when I finally surrendered myself to God And that is Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So a little bit of background. Um, When I was growing up, my family didn't attend church on a regular basis. Um, There were periods of time when my mom would take us to church, my brother and myself, Um, And there were times when I would go with my grandmother. The unfortunate part of going to church with my grandmother was that she spoke Spanish and I didn't. And so I went to a Spanish-speaking church and pretty much sat there not understanding anything that they said. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so for me, I grew up here in Castor Valley. I'm a product of Castor Valley schools, for better or for worse. I grew up in a family of believers, but we weren't a practicing family, except when I went and visited my grandparents on Christmas holidays or the summertime. They were staunch uh, Southern Baptists. My grandfather was a deacon in the Baptist church for decades. And so that was my first exposure to Christ as a young man or young boy. So we want to just give you a little bit of a background um, to set up how we've committed ourselves to God and our journey Uh, towards that by attending Neighborhood Church. So we started attending Neighborhood Church in October of 2009, and this happened right after a close friend of mine died of ocular cancer. And it was on our way home from his memorial that Delia turned to me and said, I want to start going to church. And for me, because I was already saved but walking in the wilderness, I said, I want to go back to church. So, thinking about our commitment to God, uh, 
For those of you who have gone through Life Transformation 301, Mark gives us this verse, Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as for the Lord and not for men. So my journey with coming to Neighborhood began, as Wayne said, in 2009. And at first I was just attending services and then going on my merry way. And then it was Thanksgiving and they were hosting uh, the Thanksgiving dinner here with um, Salvation Army. And I came to help serve. And I was introduced to a woman who would walk with me on my journey with Christ still to this day. So I was blessed on that, that day. Um, I also volunteered at the Christmas outreach and began Home Builders at that time. Home Builders was doing soup and salad at the Sweetman's for the women. Um, I joined a few small groups and I was baptized in March 2010. Uh, Wayne and I both attended the Life Transformation Seminars which we committed to greeting and serving in children's ministries and leading a small group in our home and leading blended families. So for me in my journey, uh, I was saved and baptized in 1987 as a young man, but I was struggling with sin in my life and I was in the middle of a long walk in the wilderness. So I was a little slower to warm up uh, to neighborhood church and of all things, I had a problem with the worship here. And in hindsight, looking back now, I know that was the enemy that was trying to keep me away. So thank God for worship at Neighborhood Church. So in 2013, Wayne and I started a small group in our home in preparation for our trip to Turkey and Israel. Um, in 2013, we also got married. Uh, in 2013, um, Wayne was asking the Lord to help make him more bold. And he and Delna Ramirez actually went and evangelized in Union Square in San Francisco at Christmas time. In 2014, we went on the Turkey-Israel trip with Mark and Tracy. Oh, and so on that trip, I bought this cross that I've been wearing almost every day since that trip. I got it in Bethlehem, and it really spoke to me. And this cross has opened up a lot of opportunities for me to share with people. You know, I ride BART every day back and forth to work, and there have been times where people would ask me about it because I wear it outside, and it's pretty large. And so that's been a, a way to open up myself to people who ask and particularly at work, there's no, under, or no misunderstanding by any of my coworkers where I stand with God. And to that point, it's been a blessing in that, you know, by praying for boldness in uh, my walk with God, I've actually corrected people right in the middle of meetings when they use the Lord's name in vain. And inevitably, they apologize to me, and I have the opportunity to tell them, you don't have to apologize to me, you have to apologize to God. He's the one you have to answer to for those words that you just used. So you should not do that again. And also in 2014, um, our dear friends moved and they sort of passed the torch on to us to lead the Blended Families Ministries here at 
three Krauses. So fast forward a little bit, uh, November of last year, Delia and I were coming home from a blended families leadership seminar that we attended in Southern California. And on that ride home, we were just really full of the Holy Spirit. We were energized about blended families. And we asked ourselves, what's keeping us from being all in on our leadership of blended families? Because we both realized we hadn't been putting all of our effort into blended families. And lo and behold, the very next week after we get back, we were going through a wonderful blended family series by Pastor Jimmy Evans. And in that series... You know, God's timing is perfect. Jimmy Evans says, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And timing is everything. Larry talked about this today, right? The cluttered heart. And so that was us, uh, at least me. And so I was looking at myself and saying, well, what are my busy items? What's the devil trying to keep me busy with? And first and foremost, it's hours on the job for me. I am a certified workaholic. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to get better. Uh, I also have a lot of projects that I do around the house. I like to work on cars. And a few of you know me as a diehard fisherman, and I've spent many hours preparing for this fishing trip. I'm going on pretty soon. Amen. <laughs> for me, I don't have quite as many hobbies that occupy my time, but I found that just my daily routine of running my son back and forth to school or sporting events or the job or the grocery store, those type of things really keep me busy. But the one area that I was telling Wayne when we were discussing this topic is I have a hard time when I'm asked to help do things. I have a hard time saying no. And I feel like, oh, well, you know, it's for a good cause. I really should make the time to do it. So I have a hard time with saying no to things. All right. So to summarize this section on our commitment to God, and we're hoping this all ties together for you. So together, Delia and I have walked on a seven-year journey from wandering way out in the wilderness to discovering where God fits in our lives to surrendering our lives to God and discovering what God's purpose is for us. And we believe that purpose is leading the Blended Families Ministry. So we have a discussion question here that we want you to talk about for a few minutes. Which of these words best describes your journey? Wandering, discovering, surrendering, or purpose? Okay, we're going to... Uh go into our commitment to our marriage, which is managing us. So I'm going to read to you Proverbs 31, 10 through 11, the wife of noble character, a wife of noble character who can, who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. And I can tell you, I lack no confidence in my lovely wife, whom I love very much, and she is truly my gift from God. So I'm now going to read Ephesians. <laughs> Indeed. All right, Ephesians 5:22 to 27. Wives, submit yourself to your husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, 
as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Most of us have heard this uh, verse before. But to us, this you know, really speaks about a commitment to the Lord first and a commitment to our marriage second. A little background on Wayne and I. Uh, we have both come from failed marriages. Wayne has had two, and I've had one. Um, we first met when our children played Little League together. Um, But we didn't actually connect until we were both in the middle of a divorce. Um, Our children knew each other, which at the time wasn't really cool. (laughs) (laughs) We actually had two children that were dating at the time. Yeah. Um, We knew a lot of people in common and Christ was not in our lives at the time. And it was just messy. It was ex- painfully messy. Yeah, very messy. <laughs> All right, so in the spirit of uh, building our relationship and our commitment to each other, Delia and I went through the five love languages with blended families years ago. And this has been a very strong commitment for us. And so Delia, or my love language is acts of service. So when Delia goes shopping, cleans the house, takes my dry cleaning to the cleaner, that's how I feel she's speaking love to me. And Delia's love language is quality time, which as a man means I have to give undivided, quality, full attention, eye contact, have long conversation time. And that's been a struggle. (laughs) So we want to share a little kind of a humorous story about this. So this year, uh, it was a Monday night. Monday night football is playing. I play fantasy football, so I got a couple of guys playing, you know. So we got the TV on. We're having dinner, but the TV's muted, and I'm using my uh, man peripheral vision to kind of keep track of what's going on. Not quality time, right? <laughs> But, but Delia's in the middle of a story, and things are going fine. I'm keeping eye contact. But suddenly, the Steelers get to the two-yard line with about four seconds left. <laughs> and I'm thinking, fine, no problem. They're going to kick a field goal. The game will be tied, and this will keep going. Wait, they're going for it. What? <laughs> That's when I turned my head. Oh, man. I broke eye contact. <laughs> so a couple of days later, I'm sitting at my desk working at the house, And Delia comes with a copy of the five love languages. And as you can see on the screen here, she's given me a post-it note with certain certain, uh, pages I need to look at again. And what really made this funny as we were preparing for this, I had forgotten we had uh, lent our copy of the five love languages to somebody else. So not only did she do this, she went out and bought another copy. (laughs) (laughs) So... 
we laugh about it, but it, it's true. It, this has been very important in our marriage and our commitment to each other. So as we say in our blended families group, you're stuck with me. Thank you, dear. <laughs> All right, so uh, next we want to share a couple of communication tips that we've picked up over the years. And the first tip we want to share is being able to ask each other, why did you react that way? Because sometimes you say something and you don't think anything of it, and you don't get the reaction you're expecting. So just having the open communication style that we do, where we know we want to work on our communication, because we all know having a great marriage means you communicate very well. So being able to ask, why did you react that way, has been really important. Secondly, I mentioned a Jimmy Evans' video earlier, and there was a lady speaking about her blended family, and this really uh, stuck with us. So she's talking about she's in her new marriage, they're blending, everything's good, she feels like she's put the past behind her, she's on the road, no problem. And then she says, until he touched that spot. And some of you can probably relate. You know, you're going along and suddenly a ghost of a marriage past or a ghost of some hurt past creeps up and boom, it's right there in front of you. And so that's happened to Delia and I where she said something to me and it reminded me of my ex-wife and not in a great way. And I've done stuff or said stuff that reminded her uh, of her ex-husband. So we're very conscious about that. We share our emotions about it, and we try not to, you know, step into that quicksand again. We realize that the message that's delivered, sometimes it doesn't match the message received. So spotting the misunderstanding as early as possible is key to de-escalating the situation. So... This story that I want to share with you uh, is about a gift that we had received. So when we got married, some very dear friends gave us a devotional Bible as a gift. And they shared in the, in the Bible, in their inscription, how they had received one when they got married and how powerful it was in their relationship. And so we were very eager to get started, so we cracked open the book probably in the first weeks that we were married. And the first night we sat down and we went over it and we felt so great. And then we came together on night number two. And night number two didn't quite go as well as night number one. We kind of put that book away for like a year. Um, we heavily disagreed on how a question was answered or put out there. <laughs> yeah, so some men, you could probably relate to this. So Delia starts off that second night and reads the question from the devotional Bible, and immediately I have that panic thought. It's like, oh man, am I going to answer this truthfully, or am I going to answer this a way that I think will allow me to get some sleep tonight? <laughs> so, you know, being a, a new couple and walking with Christ, truth was the only answer, right? Oh, boy, did I regret that. So fast forward, and like a year later, Wayne's working downstairs, and it's, in, it's early in the morning, and I decided I'm going to crack open that devotional Bible, and I'm going to 
read it over again and maybe give it another shot. So I open it up and I open it to the inscription that our friends had written to us. And I got to the end of the inscription and what it said is, one tip, don't do it at night before going to bed when you are tired and worn out from the day. And I laughed out loud and I ran downstairs and I brought him the book and I said, we, how did we miss this tip? <laughs> Who reads the instruction manual, right? <laughs> oh, um, one of the tips it, we learned from our blended families classes, not to be an archaeologist, so don't go into your past digging up things. Don't go into your spouse's past digging up things. Yes. <laughs> uh, the last tip we want to share with you, and, and we've kind of touched on it already, but we've probably all experienced at some point, you're having a conversation with somebody, and you have an emotional response. And people want to say, well, don't feel that way. Well, that's impossible, right? You've just had an emotional response to something, and your response is what it is. There's no unringing that bell. So we try to be very open with each other when we've had an emotional response to something the other has said, uh, especially when we think you know something's just triggered that they weren't expecting. So this has been a, a very helpful tip for us. So our commitment to each other is based on our commitment to God and to love each other unconditionally. And we strive to communicate well with each other in all situations. And we understand that we may have an emotional response to a situation and the emotional emotion or feeling can't be controlled or changed. Also, identifying any misunderstanding quickly and talking openly about it is key for us. So we'd like you to discuss at your table or share at your table a communication tip of your own that you found helpful. Okay, folks, hopefully you were able to share some tips or maybe talk about one of the tips that we shared with you. And it's a, our sincere hope that some of these tips will bear fruit in your relationships, uh, marriages, or otherwise. So now we're going to move into the last section, which will... Uh, hopefully take the rest of the time, and this was a big one for Delia and I, and it's our commitment to our blended family and managing our blended family, and, you know, in a room this size, there's surely many people who are in a blended family, were in a blended family, know a blended family, brothers, sisters, you name it. So, Robert, put the picture up, please. <laughs> Robert, go to the powder room. No, he's, he's back there. So, uh, in this audience, yeah, yeah, I figured there was, I wouldn't have to explain what this meant to anybody, right? When we tell people how many children we have together, which is eight, they always want to make this uh, analogy. Well, I'm here to tell you the Brady Bunch is a myth. The truth about blended families is there's ex-wives, ex-husbands, there's lawyers, judges, ex-mother and father-in-laws, ex-sister-in-laws, 
half the village around you wants to be up in your business. And in the end, you end up with a big jumbled pile of people all wanting to have an opinion or stay in your life or whatever it is. And Delia and I have experienced this uh, in spades. So in the beginning, we didn't know what we were doing. And like I had said earlier, it was messy. It was excruciating. And so our, our idea of blending the family meant we just take everybody, throw them all in the blender, turn it on high, and, and the lid falls off and everything goes flying everywhere. It's messy. Um, we didn't get that tasty smoothie. Uh, I have five sons, and Wayne has three children. And Wayne's children were much more accepting of me coming into their lives. My five children were not so accepting. And I'm putting it very mildly by saying they were not accepting. Um, I was actually estranged from some of my children for a period of time. One of my sons I was estranged from for two years. And this was um, like his last two years of high school. Um, when we... When I was first getting divorced, um, I had ex-in-laws who would had intervened and actually took my children into their homes, and they themselves wouldn't have communication with me. So I was really um, out there by myself and trying to build this, re rebuild a relationship with my children. Um, and it was a real struggle at that time. Everything just looked completely and utterly hopeless at the time. And that didn't begin to change until I accepted Christ into my life. Um, we started to attend the Blended Families uh, Ministries here at the church, actually, before while we were still dating. And it actually saved our relationship. Um, one of the first series, and it was very powerful for us, is by Ron Deal, and it's called Smart Step Families. And we couldn't recommend this enough to anybody who's a blended family or going to be a blended family. Um, even family members who have somebody that is a blended family, just to understand. And so what we learned from Ron Deal was that a blended family you don't put in a blender. It actually, you use a crock pot because it's a slow cooking process. Children take a long time to soften and they will, they will change at their pace and it was up to us to understand that and get to a place where we could just say, okay, they're just carrots right now. They're going to soften in their own time, and we're going to wait on it. And, um, and I'll add, you know, this was tough as a guy who's normally been able to fix most things in his life. And there was no fixing Delia's children. Um, you know, and thank God for Delia's wisdom, because I'd be sitting there saying, you need to do this, and you need to do that. Thankfully, she ignored me. Um, 
and it, it took me a while, and it wasn't until I had really surrendered myself to God, and we were in the, the midst of the mess here, when God finally told me, shut up, do nothing, put the blinders on, and support your wife or your girlfriend at the time. And that was hard, but that's what I did. And I think, at least for me, that was a turning point where I could stop internalizing the fact that her children, who barely knew me, hated me. You know, that was a tough thing. I had coached two of them in Little League, and it wasn't until Delia and I started dating that I found out that they hated me. I don't know what I did. I just threw batting practice. But, you know, thankfully Delia also added, well, they didn't like any of their coaches, really, except for a couple, so that took some of this thing away. But it, it was hard to just sit there and do nothing when all you want to do is fix it and, and you want to have the Brady Bunch, but it's just not coming together. And frankly, you see nothing in the future that looks like you would ever be the Brady Bunch. All right. So as Delia said, we you know found the support in blended families, Vince and Delna Ramirez and uh, a lady who used to be at our church who's since moved away, Michelle Miller. Hearing their stories and the stories of the other uh, families that were coming to Blended Family gave us that comfort. We learned that we weren't alone, that other people had gone through the same mess and had come out the other side of that mess somewhat intact or fully intact. Blended, or sorry, uh, Vincent Delna Ramirez really blended their family together well, and they just gave us so much wisdom and hope. So we wanted to share a, a couple of verses here that speak to us about a blended family. And the first is uh, 1 Corinthians 13.7. And we chose the English Standard Version because of the way it reads. And it reads, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And for me, sitting there with my blinders on, trying not to put my foot in my mouth constantly, it was my love for Delia that allowed me to just go on and be quiet and listen. Uh, the second verse we want to share is Matthew uh, 1, 20. And, you know, most people probably don't think about this, but we do because we're so involved in blended families, and that is Jesus was a stepson, right? Joseph was not his father. So Matthew 1, 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So as step-parents, you have to make the choice to love your stepchild. It's not that inherent, natural, biological love. And if you're going to be successful as a blended family, you really have to choose to love. And I'll tell you, in the midst of the mess, it was really hard to sit there and go, I'm going to pray for these children. I want their hearts to soften. I want them to accept the Lord when they're hating you. But thanks to, uh, thanks to God, he gave me the strength to do that. All right. So our commitment to our family, um, we use what we've learned to call the priority pyramid, and it's natural to most people here. And the priority pyramid starts with our commitment to God, and then it starts with our commitment to each other. 
And I can tell you, without that commitment to God first and our commitment to each other, the enemy would have found his way into our relationship, and he would have torn us apart. Her kids wanted us to break apart. They wanted nothing to do with Delia and I being a couple. Oh, so some lessons that we learned along the way. One of the big lessons is that we still have um, an underage child living with us, which is my youngest son. And with having an underage child comes the area of discipline. And in a blended family, discipline's rather unique in that Wayne and I have to discuss what is appropriate. The correct way, the correct discipline for whatever infraction or thereof, whatever parameters that we want to build around any decisions with my son. So we discuss it, but I have to be the one to deliver it because I'm his biological parent. If I allow Wayne to deliver it, it's going to create a lot of other problems for us. So we've learned that we're on the same page with each other and we discuss it privately away from him and then I have to be the one that presents it to my son. Um, and I can say even when I slip up sometimes, like garbage night, hey Tommy, you gotta take out the garbage. There are times where that message just is not received well because I'm not his dad. And it's true, I'm not his biological father, but um, you know, it's just one of the challenges, and he's 15, so he's got his own emotional you know, challenges going on in addition to taking direction from me. And one of the other areas uh, that we've encountered is the mama bear, papa bear syndrome. So there are times when something, Wayne may say something to my son, and I kind of feel defensive and like, you know, I want to protect my son. Um, so we have to sit down and we have to discuss when I feel those emotions or if Wayne feels those emotions, we have to work through them together um, and understand that he, Wayne and I are on the same page and we want what's best for Tommy in the end. And lastly, you know, we try to remember that children are a temporary assignment. They'll hopefully grow up, get out, get on with their own lives. <laughs> hopefully, right? And Delia and I need to remain strong and in love and communicating all through this. And like I said earlier, we don't want the enemy to get in in any way, shape, or form. So we try to keep the blended family situation in perspective when it comes to our relationship and our life after our raising our blended family. All right, so the next um, area we wanted to talk about was a, and this is a term I kind of coined for myself here, and it's called the God slap. <laughs> All right, I'll try to get through this. So, Tony, Delia's second youngest, oldest. or second oldest boy, young man now, hadn't talked to me more than four words in six and a half years maybe 
So one day we're at one of Tommy's basketball games, and because I'm a workaholic, I don't get a chance to go to many of his basketball games. So I'm sitting there on the bleachers with Delia, waiting for the game to start. I'm excited to be out of work early, and I'm excited to watch Tommy play basketball. And she says to me, oh, Tony's coming. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> so here I go from thinking, this is going to be great. We're going to watch our son play basketball to, oh, this is going to be an uncomfortable hour. And so I'm sitting there, and in comes Tony, walking in the gym. I can see him, and I'm just thinking to myself, all right, hopefully this will go well. And this is where the God slap comes in. Sorry. So I'm sitting there, and Tony comes up the bleachers, and I'm fully expecting him to just pass me by like he always would, not say anything. But lo and behold, Puts out his hand. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> right? And that was God telling me, I told you, just wait, shut up, don't do anything. And it was a big eye opener. And so instead of sitting there thinking, oh, this is going to be uncomfortable, God and I had a, about an hour conversation with each other where he reminded me, it's my time, it's not your time. But I did enjoy the basketball game. Okay, God slap number two. <laughs> so as we were coming home from that blended family seminar that we mentioned, and this was last fall, again, you know, it was great that Tony shook my hand, but we're talking now maybe ten words in six years, seven years at that point. And on the way down to Southern California, we're enjoying our drive together. And, she, and by this time, Tony's moved down to Southern California. And Delia says, oh, we're going to stop and have dinner with Tony on the way home. Like, Uh-oh. Actually, Wayne said, does he know I'm coming? Because <laughs> I'm thinking, not only is this going to be an hour at a basketball game being uncomfortable, which by that time I'd received my first God slap, but this could be a whole dinner sitting there and not talking. And, you know, obviously Delia and Tony are going to talk, but I'm going to be sitting there like a bump on a log looking at the walls. But lo and behold, Tony has had a change of heart. He uh, engaged in conversation. And at the end of the evening, we went out to Starbucks and we had some coffee. And he actually apologized for the way he treated us. Yeah, it was beautiful. God slap number two. <laughs> so God slap number three um, actually began with Wayne and I leaving Home Builders last year when Karen and Ken Berry spoke here. And they told their beautiful story and they showed us beautiful pictures of their family and their family vacation and how beautiful it was. And we left very discouraged because at that time, we weren't too hopeful that we would ever see anything like that in our blended family. Um, like I said, at that time, the kids weren't talking to Wayne and they barely came around. So, let's see. So we'll fast forward a little bit, and um, 
this Thanksgiving, I had some cousins coming from out of town, and they had wanted to get all the cousins together. So we picked the day after Thanksgiving to have what we called our cousin party. And my son, Tony, had moved to L.A., and one of my cousins lives in L.A. And so he had told my son, you got to come to the cousin's party. So he said, oh, I'll come. So I was thinking, oh, we'll have a couple of my boys there. All five of my sons showed up for that cousin's party. You missed the, uh, the before picture. You got it. Thank you, Robert. So this picture was taken the day after Thanksgiving. This is the very first picture in more than eight years of me with all five of my boys, and they're all smiling and happy. Yeah. God slap number three. <laughs> So uh, we wanted to share one more picture. So, you know, we were just elated that the five boys would come to that uh, party we had for Delia's family. And uh, Delia's birthday is the day after Christmas, and we had a, a monumental birthday. We'll leave it at that this uh, December 26th. And again, Delia's boys showed up at this time with their girlfriends, and it was simply awesome to see them there engaging, engaging with us, and, you know, it's proof that with patience, listening to God, with listening to what God is telling you, and in my case, I was sit down, shut up, be quiet, and let me do the work, but praise to God that he's finally brought our family together a little bit. We're not there. We're on our journey, and maybe someday we'll have that big, beautiful, uh, family vacation. All right, so we just wanted to close with this. You know, with eight children, our family is forever changing. My daughter Kristen has gotten married, so we have a son-in-law now, and praise him, he's in Iraq serving our country. We got, amen. We got girlfriends, and someday, you know, with, with eight children, we should have a grandchild or two, and we're very much looking forward to that. So what we learned is that our scars heal other people. And this was very, I have a story that just really hit me. Um, after the picture was taken at, after Thanksgiving, and during the time of all my chaotic life, I never posted any pictures or mentioned my children by name on social media at all. And when that picture was taken, I posted it on my Facebook page and said, what a gift and left it at that. And I got a lot of responses. And a lot of the responses were from people who knew my story. But there were people who didn't know my story as well who responded. And one of those people who didn't know was a lady that I work with. And she had never seen any pictures of my boys. So she was responding to me at work after she had seen the picture and said, what a beautiful picture it was. 
and how it was a real gift. And I told her that she had no idea what a gift that picture really was. And so I quickly shared with her a little bit of the story, gave her a little bit of background on it. And then we fast forward to a day or two later, and I happened to be in the staff room, and she walked in, and no one else was in there. And she was, she had her back to me. She wasn't, she was cutting papers, and I was reading a book, and she stopped. And all she said was, I want to thank you for sharing your story with me. And I said, oh, you're welcome. And she said, see, what you don't know is that I'm in that situation with my daughter right now. And you revealing your story has given me hope. And I thank you for that. And I reached up and I gave her a hug and I said, I didn't do anything. I said, that was all God. So uh, we'll wrap up our, our session here. As uh, you can tell, Dahlia and I have been through the ringer with our blended family. But praise be to God for his faithfulness.